everybody, you're listening to the Blockchain B, or in the hashing language of SHA-256, you're listening to 0F44442018764891802FB1A32F2C2E48824094740606A2. We're going to be speeding that up. Uh, what the hell was that? We're going to tell you today. Today we have Billy Grenis, otherwise known as Billy Bitcoin, on the show to explain. Billy... Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ronnie, for having me. Pleasure to be here. So before we start, let's know who the hell you are. Um, I discovered Billy on Facebook. He created this very long and really easy to understand technical explanation of Bitcoin, which we're definitely going to link in the description. Um, but who are you outside of this? You know, where are you from? What do you do? What do you like to do? <laughs> Well, it's, it's long because I wanted it to be comprehensive and I wanted everybody to understand uh, Bitcoin completely and blockchains. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about the, the blog posts in a little bit. Um, but so who am I? So I currently work for a, a consulting company in the Emerging Technology Group um, and explain all things emerging technology, uh, but mm -hmm. I have had a particular interest in blockchain um, ever since I first got involved um, a few years ago um, in 2014, you know, purchasing my first Bitcoin, but even before that in 2013, I was checking emails and um, Facebook messages to try to find out when I first kind of interacted or, or had, had Bitcoin. Um, and I found that in 2013, I was invited to a Bitcoin meetup in Ann Arbor while I was at the University of Michigan. And mm -hmm. I, I actually found the meetup uh, link and it was asking for Bitcoin donations uh, to supply pizza for the for the meetup. And at the time, I think Bitcoin was worth $13. And, oh, my God. Uh, and I just thought it was pretty funny because of the... Expensive ass pizza. <laughs> exactly. So... From there, kind of didn't really um, take any action, but eventually bought Bitcoin and just held on to it. And then I would really say it was the intersection of being a tech forward guy and having Bitcoin and then working in the emerging technology group at my company that really got me interested in blockchain. And the reason for this is, you know, we talk to partners and you can explain IoT to them. They understand how um, that's Internet of Things people. Yeah, that's sorry. like your, your refrigerator things. talking to your toaster and your pillow at night. Yeah, and, and, and exa that's exactly it. It's easy to explain. You just did it in, in um, one sentence, but you have a whole blog on, on blockchain and Bitcoin or a whole, yeah. a whole uh, podcast. So, um, True. And even, even more complex technologies like artificial intelligence, sure, you might not understand in detail how it works, um, but you get that it's computers having intelligence like humans, but, but also, but also blockchain is like the only one that people actually want to know how it works. Nobody cares how your toaster talks to your pillow at night. They just care that it happens, but people are so intrigued to learn about how blockchain works, which is good. Keep listening to my podcast. And I think it's because there's the money aspect. There's the, I'm going to buy $10 worth of Bitcoin and then I'll buy a Lamborghini next week. And, and totally, and I think the, even the, the best example of that is the internet. Nobody cares how it works. They yeah. just know, let's go on it. Let's surf the web. As long as it's working, that, that's good for me. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, my grandparents 
asked uh, what the internet is, and I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> exactly. That. Just it is. You don't need to know. Um, and maybe for blockchain, one day you won't need to know. But but right now, as you said, it's it's everyone wants to know. So yeah. that's kind of what brought me to create Billy Bitcoin, this persona, and this in this blog or website where I thought that there needed to be a bridge between the overly tech, technical and often inaccessible explanations right. of, of Bitcoin and blockchain and the overly simplified Bitcoin is a decentralized currency that miners solve puzzles to. He's literally mocking my first and second episodes, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. That's what I said. <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right. Because everything before... You know, a few years ago, people would tell me like, yeah, I read one article and it started talking about all this technical stuff that just it doesn't speak to me. I don't get that. So now there are a lot of resources of like, teach me Bitcoin like I'm five. And they just talk about solving a puzzle because it's too much to get into the whole hashing and cryptography and shit like that. But that's what we're doing today. So before we dive further, apart from Bitcoin, apart from work, who are you? Who am I? I yeah. I'm originally from New Jersey. I live in New York City now. I love to read books. I have a traveling book club with my 11 or 10 best high school friends. There's 11 That's of us in the really group. Cool. Um, I enjoy exercise, occasionally may run a marathon. Um, Do you guys like get on a Google Hangout and talk about the books that you're reading? Um, no, we actually travel every six months to a different city. So there's what? 11 of us. Um, and we all live in different cities, San Francisco, Portland, New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago. And so yeah. we find a location to meet every six months and we discuss books, um, the two books that we that we read in those six months. And Damn. we're called Beyond Book Club. So we do more than just discuss the books, <laughs> but uh, we definitely prioritize our book discussions during the weekends away. So, guys, he reads books, flies to talk about them with his friends, and spends his free time writing long explanations about blockchain. Exactly. He's a cool guy. He's a cool. He's the coolest guy. No. Oh, thank you. You're you're cool. Thank you. Back at you're you. Cool. <laughs> I hole up in my room and talk to my microphone. Uh, sometimes with nobody on the other end. So let's get into it. Okay, what is hashing? So hashing, in its most simple form is taking something of, of arbitrary length and converting it to something of a set standardized length. Um, so, okay. so in the real world, this could be something like an object in a store. Imagine you're in a store shopping and you pick up an item. That mm -hmm. item has a unique barcode to it. And every item in the store has a barcode that's different from the rest of the items in the store. Okay, so this is like kind of like a book, for example. Um, you know, you could have a book with 300 pages and a book with 1,000 pages, and then they've all got a barcode. I think it's called an ISBN number. Yep. And that barcode has, like, a standard length to it. It doesn't matter whether it's a hardcover book or how many pages or whatever. They all have a standard length, and it's unique to every book, right? That's exactly right. So every, every book and edition would have a different ISBN. So Harry Potter, the fourth edition... Uh, would have a different ISBN than the, the soft cover version of Harry Potter in the fourth edition. Okay. So what is so that's regular hashing. And I know that I can hash anything like a text or a book or a product or my dog or a picture. <laughs> I don't know if I can hash my dog. Um, but what about cryptographic hashing? Because that's what we're really talking about here with blockchain. What's that about? 
Exactly. So cryptographic hashing fun hash functions are what makes Bitcoin possible and other blockchains. It's a, spe right. it's a special kind of, of hash function with four properties that, that make it unique. Um, so the way I'm going to explain these is through an example that I use in my blog and, and with friends. And it's basically explaining the properties through Scrabble. Uh, okay. Board game that, that everyone should be familiar with. <laughs> um, so imagine I give you the tiles in front of you for the word cactus, right? Mm -hmm. Cactus, If in case your head isn't registering it, we're talking about that tall prickly thing <laughs> that grows in deserts. Okay, cactus, hit it. So, cactus, scrabble, I'm following. So cactus, with the words in front of you, with the letters in front of you, you can easily add it up and, and find out that cactus is worth 10 points. Okay. Right? The C is worth 3 points. Like each... Yeah, each letter has a value, and you just add those up, and that's it. It throws out a value. Exactly, and you just created a hash function for the word cactus, which is ah. which is 10. Okay, so that's the value of the word in Scrabble. Cool. Exactly. So property one is that it's easy to calculate the particular hash for any given data. Here, okay. you easily calculated cactus is worth 10 points. And the other, okay. the other part of that is that that data will always result in the same hash. Mm -hmm. So anytime I put down the word cactus, I'm going to get 10 points. Exactly. So now imagine I flipped it and I said, I'm thinking of a word worth 10 points. Mm -hmm. thinking of a, I'm thinking of a word with a hash of 10 points. What do, what do you think it is? Okay. I don't know. Exactly. I, I wouldn't think of cactus. That's because there's... Tons of words that are worth 10 points in Scrabble. Okay, so this is like property two, right? So the first property is you can calculate the data. You can see what cactus is valued at. And then property two is you can't take that value and determine that it was cactus that created it. That's exactly right. It's impossible to take okay. a hash and figure out what the original data was. Okay, sweet. Okay. So let's keep going. What's next? So now property three is mm -hmm. it's very, very unlikely, even even often considered impossible, that any two pieces of data will have the same hash. Okay, but like I could find another word in Scrabble that has 10 points, so, right. so isn't so, that sort of the same? Right, so this is where this, the Scrabble example breaks a little bit, but now let's imagine that we have a Scrabble board, and, and each square... I've poked a hole in your analogy. No, no, not quite. Imagine we have this okay. Scrabble board where each tile now has a different function on the word cactus or the letters. So, for example. Okay, so like it's like bonus tiles, but every tile is a bonus tile and it's all random. Every every tile is a bonus tile and they all have a different function. So one may be okay. multiply word by 3.5. Another may say add 12.1 to the word. Another is multiply letter by 2.4. And, and you have this across the whole board. And you will never find, or mm -hmm. it would be very unlikely that you find two words that result in the same hash or score. Okay. Even cactus so placed on a different. We're changing the C. So if like the C is worth three points, whatever tile, whatever square on the board we place it on, it's going to tell us to change that letter according to this rule. And then whatever the A, the A is worth one point, we add that down to a tile and it says add 12.1 to it and so on and so on. And then 
that's going to give us a totally random output. Is that what you're getting at? Right. Not necessarily random, okay. but each function will change cactus so that it is not like any other word placed on different tiles. Gotcha. So if I placed another word on those tiles or anywhere else, there's no way I'd end up with the same number. It's very unlikely. There, There is a possibility. Okay. But it's very, very unlikely. Okay, but like a teeny tiny, teeny, teeny, exactly. tiny possibility. Okay. So those are the first three properties. The first one was that we can easily get a hash out of any word uh, or any data. Um, the second one was that if we look at the hash, we can't figure out what the input data was. The third one was that every single input data has its own unique hash. It's very unlikely that they'll ever be the same. And then we said four, four properties. So what's the fourth property? Yep, exactly. So there's one last property. And this property is that mm -hmm. even small changes to the input data will result in dramatic changes to the output hash. So let's, okay. let's forget about Scrabble for a little bit. And let's actually talk SHA-256, which is the hash, hash function that Bitcoin uses. That's SHA-256. That's just the name of the hashing language. And in, in this example, I'll use my name, for example, Billy would result B-I-L-L-Y B-I-L-L-Y would result in a completely <laughs> and unrecognizable hash when compared to Bill B-I-L-L -L. Okay And you could continue to add or subtract letters to my name and each time you added a letter or removed a letter or number the hash would be completely mm -hmm. different and unrecognizable There's no there's no pattern to it there's no sum relation that I can see There's no pattern and if you have that final hash you can't go back and find out what the content was and if you have the hash it's not going to the if you have the word when you hash it it's not going to look like any other word Okay so like if I write Billy in, into somewhere it'll start off with like 47798d whatever Actually and if I just delete e e a 4 but <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a SHA-256 calculator right now. Oh, capital B. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. Look at that. Okay. Capital B. What did I change it to? 85EE. -E. A4A. Wild. I've memorized my Wild. I've memorized the the hash of my name. All 256. Of course. <laughs> of course you have. <laughs> okay, so are these your pass is this like your Facebook password, Billy? No. No. The hash of your no name. I can't okay. reveal that. Good. Okay, so, wow, okay, so if I, even with that small change, just making it a lowercase b versus a, an uppercase b, it totally changes the hash. So let me just repeat that. Billy with a capital B starts off with 85EEA4A. Billy with a lowercase b is 47798D12, so on, so on. It's wild, people, but that's cryptography. Now, actually, one thing that you would probably be interested to know I hope you're interested to know is that this is what encryption is I don't know if you've seen the if you've seen Mark Zuckerberg's testimony to the Senate but there was this one senator that kept asking him the same question over and over um, because our senators are ancient wrote them out so he kept asking about like if he texts somebody in WhatsApp if Facebook can see those texts and then show him an ad about that and Mark Zuckerberg was like sender it's encrypted Nobody knows what the hell that means. For the longest time, we would just see encrypted and we're just like, okay, cool. So my data's safe. But what does that mean? It means that they can't see it in plain text. 
they see a string of letters and numbers and that's it and we're also you know i'm gonna drop a link to like a sha 256 calculator in the description so that you can type a text in there and see maybe what facebook would see i don't know what language they use but whatever you you get the point you get the point so that's what encryption is let's get back to thanks blockchain. for that example all right <laughs> thank you i had to i had to call it out because like nobody knows what the hell this means so again we talked about in my second episode we talked about how the bitcoin blockchain and how mining work and we talked about how miners approve transactions and they solve a really difficult puzzle or math problem in order to seal these transactions into a block then other miners check their math give them a thumbs up and they get a prize and then they move on to the next block and do it all again but now Billy here is going to give you a deeper dive into that. Yeah, so you're probably asking, okay, I get hashing, or I kind of get it at least, but what does that have to do? <laughs> Listen to the episode again, <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> exactly, but what does that have to do with, with Bitcoin or blockchains? I don't know, tell me, Billy. <laughs> so in, in Bitcoin and blockchains, all the contents inside a block in the blockchain are hashed. And then that block's hash okay. will appear at the tippy top of the next block. <laughs> tippy top, okay. So essentially, the hash of every block ties into the hash of the next block. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So if I'm on block A, I've got a bunch of content in there. All of that together is hashed. And then we put the hash at the top of the next block, and that's going to be hashed together with the rest of the content in there. Exactly. So, so if that? you have block A, okay. that hash will be in block B. And then when we take the hash of block B, which includes A, that will be in block C. So block C will have block B's hash, which has block A's hash. Wild. But that's the whole chain part of this. That's that's the coolest exactly. part. That's okay. why it's called a blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> so if we, if we okay so and if why is that yeah, important? so if we go back to um to our properties we know that any small change to any any small change to data will completely change the resulting hash yeah so if we change the data of one block that hash would change mm -hmm. if we change the the hash of block a in the example we just gave Block A's hash will change, which means block B's hash will change, which means block C's hash will change. So you know how we say the blockchain is immutable or can't be changed? That's where this comes from. Yeah. Out. Okay. Wild. So if like 100 blocks back, we wrote that Ronnie sent Billy to Bitcoin. And now you're a malicious actor. You go back to that block and you change it to Ronnie sent Billy three Bitcoin. That'll throw everything off exactly so the hash of that block that i just changed will change and that means every subsequent blocks hash will also change and the network would immediately just reject these changes okay so now let's let's back up a little more and let's just talk about the life journey of a transaction <laughs> yeah perfect so that's okay. where i was headed How's so when happen? somebody sends a transaction uh let's say we'll use that example of ronnie sends billy to bitcoin initially mm -hmm. Ronnie doesn't have two Bitcoin to send Billy. Sorry, Billy. Um, initially, it goes into and sits in what's called the memory pool or mempool. It's what the cool kids and, call it. Okay. And you can think of this as a waiting room or the analogy that I like to use is you're at a restaurant and you place an order 
with the waitress, but the cook or the chef has not yet made your meal. I like that analogy. Okay, so it's it's just chilling. Right. So chilling on the ledger. The ledger of the notepad that the waiter right, is carrying. Exactly. Okay, cool. And so it's hanging out, and now you've got a block that's ready to take on some transactions. So let's let's see what's inside of it. The first thing in the block at the at very the top very top is the hash of the last block. Okay. Then we have got we it. have other data which includes a timestamp. Okay, the time that it's being processed. Exactly. Cool. And now we can take your transaction, you paying me two Bitcoin, mm-hmm. with the rest of the transactions, and put them in the block as well. Okay. So we've got at the very top we have the hash of the last block, and then we have some other info like the timestamp, and then we have a whole chunk of transactions. So now what? So now the whole goal is to turn all the contents in this block into one single hash, right? So that it can be used by the next mm-hmm. block. One okay. string of 256 letters and numbers. Okay, so... So what? now we can take so this hash, this the hash of this block, and we're all good, right? No, actually. No. <laughs> there are actually rules as to what this hash needs to look like so that it can become a valid block. So again, there are rules as to how this hash needs to look. There's a certain format that it needs to fit. So if we were to combine the hash of the last block and the timestamp of this current block and all the transactions, that'll spit out a hash string that doesn't fit the right format. It's just like, for example, if you're in seventh grade algebra class, I don't, I don't know if seventh graders take algebra, let's see here, but anyway, if you're in seventh grade algebra class and the teacher says that you have to find a number for x so that the final result of an equation is an even number. This is like that, but like a bajillion times more difficult. The final hash string has to begin with a certain number of zeros. That's just the format of the Bitcoin blockchain. It's got to have a certain number of zeros. So if I were to combine the last block's hash and the timestamp and all the other data and the transactions, I wouldn't get the right format. I wouldn't get a hash with all those zeros before. So I have to find this one more number that when I combine it with all of those, it'll spit out a hash that'll fit the format. Now this number is going to be unique to every block. And how the hell do I solve it? I don't, that's why we have uh, supercomputers. So this number is called a nonce, N-O-N-C-E. And supercomputers are the ones that are running this operation to solve the nonce. They're trying to solve this whole complicated puzzle that everybody keeps talking about. Once we find that number, we get the final hash for the whole block. That block is signed, sealed, delivered, and that final hash goes right up to the top of the next block. Yeah, exactly. And so the, right? that's, that's exactly right. That was a perfect explanation. Um, I just want to add a little bit. I just thought of it off the top of my head. <laughs> totally freestyled it. <laughs> I just want to add a little bit about the, the term difficulty. Um, which which some okay. of some of your listeners might have heard of, um, and that's basically how hard it is to find the next block. And so, the, okay. according to according to Bitcoin, a new block has to be found every ten minutes. Right. So if you imagine adding more computers or more more miners to the network, blocks will be found faster than ten minutes. Right. It's like if you and I are working on the algebra equation together, we'd solve it faster. Right. And if the teacher wants it to take longer, 
the teacher will make the equation more challenging. Okay. That's exactly right. So to make the equation more challenging for the Bitcoin hash you have to find will require more zeros. Okay. So the more people that are working on this problem, the more people that are working to find the nonce, the harder it is to find it. So the format's going to change. Instead of finding something with 73 zeros in front of it, we have to find something with 80 zeros in front of it, for example. Exactly. Right? And this has created a whole market for these supercomputers that all they do is generate random nonces. So a, a computer may be awful at simple multiplication or surfing the web, but it is trillions times faster than your computer at finding nonces. And, and this has created a whole market and with various companies buying more powerful computers so that they can do this, what's called hashing or finding nonces faster than their competitors. Wild. And people always ask me, like, how can I mine? I want to earn some Bitcoin. I'm like, honey, if I could afford to mine, I'd be doing it. Yeah, bad, It's very expensive. Bad it's news. so expensive. There's other, there's other currencies that, that you can mine with a regular computer yeah. or a powerful graphics card. Uh, Bitcoin is not worth your time. It would take you trillions nope. of years before you could mine a block with a, a standard yeah. computer. And by then, there won't be any more Bitcoin to mine. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even think we'll exist anymore. So. Yeah. But I do, I do want to reiterate uh, one of the earlier parts that we said, because this is so, so important to the whole security of the blockchain. Everybody always says that it's so secure. It's an immutable ledger, an immutable list of transactions. Nobody can change the transaction. Uh, the fact that the hash of the last block is put into the next block and then that's hashed together and so on and so on and so on and so on. If I go a hundred blocks back and I try to change one thing, everything will go red. It won't be approved by the rest of the network. That's the whole magic of this. That's why this is all immutable. Like if I'm playing Tetris or Django, where I pull out one of the blocks, it's probably the worst one because the whole point is to keep it standing, but <laughs> let's pretend that it falls immediately. If I just pull out one of the blocks in Django, it all comes crashing down. Everybody can automatically see that I just did that. So that's yeah. the magic of Yeah, the that's exactly right. And so blockchains are all kind of set up differently in terms of the how they're mined or um, the hashing algorithms they use. But... The mm -hmm. whole concept of blockchain is exactly what you just described, that every prior block is an input into the most recent block. So any change in the past will immediately change everything up to the present uh, and, and will immediately be, be recognized by the network. Wild. Damn wild. Okay, guys. Billy, you're a delight. I'm so glad you got to join us. Um, you guys should totally connect with Billy. We'll include his email in the description. And you should also check out his in-depth explanation that's really easy to follow um, about how Bitcoin works. Go to Billy Bitcoin. That's B-I-L-L-Y-B-I-T-C-O dot I-N, which is really clever. Way to go, Billy Bitcoin. Uh, so anything else you want to say, Billy? Bitcoin. Nope, just thank you very much for having me on the show. It was a pleasure. And uh, yes, please feel free to reach out. And I would love uh, the more visitors to my site, the better. So um, yeah. the more people I can teach, the better. <laughs> thank you very much. It was, it was awesome. Thank you so much, Billy. Thank you. Talk to Bye. you soon. Bye-bye. For those of you who don't know me personally, let me give you a quick summary of who I am. 
I'm originally from Israel, grew up in the US, and I'm now living in New York City with my dog, Bean. I love dogs, I love fitness, and I'm terribly addicted to peanut butter. Can't keep it in the house. I got into blockchain about a year ago and just dove in head first. Now this podcast has been my fun side project, but my main role is as a real estate agent with Douglas Elliman, one of the top brokerages here in New York and across the country. So if you or anyone you know is looking to buy, sell, or rent property in NYC, or is looking for commercial space, send them my way. I aim to do for real estate what I do with this podcast for blockchain. Make a super intimidating world feel incredibly simple and easy to navigate.